Hey everybody, welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp. This is a podcast for high-performing Christian professionals who want to find their calling and lead a rewarding career that's aligned with it, so you can make an impact in the decades of work ahead. Today's guest is Julia Arpag, and I am so excited for this because she is a seasoned recruiter with over nine years of experience now serving as a talent team lead for Secure Vision, a really amazing agency. We had a blast talking all about some topics that will really interest you, I'm sure, um, in terms of salary negotiation, resume and interview tips, as well as her perspective on some common candidate concerns that I hear, like, what if it looks like I'm job hopping? Or what about the employment gaps on my resume? Is the recruiter going to throw out my application because of that? You really need to hear her advice on this, and I'm so excited for you too. So let's go ahead and dive in. Bam, 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 party time. Hello, Julia. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Do you know how many years? Well, wait, how long is I think I've been podcasting for like two and a half years, something like that. Now, I have not gotten a recruiter on yet, and that hurts my feelings, but today, Today is the day. Hey, congratulations. You've arrived. I've arrived slash you've arrived is really the point. Um, Can we just start off with a brief intro before we get into all the exciting uh, tips and perspective that you have as a seasoned recruiter? So basics, what do you do? Like what's your specialty within recruiting and where do you live? Any other fun stuff you want to add about yourself? Yes, amazing. Well, thank you, Kelsey. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Um, so yeah, my name is Julia. Um, I have been a I've been in recruitment for about nine years. Um, I've been in corporate recruitment for about five, and currently I've piv- I've pivoted to focusing exclusively on software recruitment. So I recruit anything from software engineers to lead marketing experts to heads of growth to product, anything kind of in that world. Um, I live in the Atlanta area with my wonderful husband, my one-year-old son, three foster kids, and two rescue dogs. So my house Mm -hmm. is hilarious. It's a good time. So wild, but so fun sounding. Um, All right. Like I've covered, we have like a way too ambitious list of questions that I'm dying to ask you. So I'd love... I'm kind of thinking in three buckets. First, I would love for the people listening, as I'm sure that they've been very eager to learn about, like, from your perspective, what are some of like the main qualities that recruiters are looking for? I I know that it could be, of course, particular to certain um, types of positions, but just getting your tips also on uh, like do's and don'ts of traditional things like resume, salary negotiation, whatever. Then um, we'll go into getting your perspective on some common career concerns like, oh no, what if I have gaps? You know, that's such a thing <laughs> post. Oh, well, I hope I can say post pandemic. Mm, I don't know. I feel like the pain is just like always here. <laughs> it's just always breathing down our necks. Um, and then educating the listeners on the benefit of working with recruiters like you yeah. and your team. So to kick it off, um, what are some of the main qualities that you love to see uh, exuded from a candidate in the interview process? 
Yeah, I love that question. Um, so for me, it starts obviously pre-interview. So what I do is headhunting. So I go out and find the right candidates for my job because they tend to be really niche positions that either the people who apply aren't quite the right fit because they are very um, typically pretty senior level roles. Um, so then I'm going out on LinkedIn um, using my you know LinkedIn recruiter magical things and going out and finding the right people. So what I look for often is like, a pretty intensive checklist of years of experience, type of experience, tech staff they've worked with before. Um, like I said, I work only in software. So I'm typically looking for specific um, industry related experience that my candidates have. Um, and sometimes even specific companies they've come from just depending mm -hmm. on the clients that we're working with and who they'd like to see their candidates come from. But then from a personality perspective, I mean, engagement is always the key. Like, you, no matter what your role is, you're always going to be able to, or need to be able to communicate. You're always going to, you know, need to be some kind of people person, like where maybe you're not the most extroverted person in the, in the company, but you have to be able to work well with your team, um, have a good working relationship with your peers and your boss. So in the interview process, you're typically on your best behavior. So if you can show me that you're a strong communicator, then, then I feel confident putting you in front of my client to be considered for the job that you're interviewing for. <laughs> I love how you answered that because it reminded me of some dating advice that I've gotten like hey like the first three months or so someone is literally on the best behavior of their entire life yeah so you know maybe just like be more cautious with that and that's the same with the interview process like yeah. you're not gonna assume that they'll become more people-y like later yeah <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> Like basically what you see during the interview is the best you're ever going to get. So as a candidate, mm -hmm. like, please make sure you're putting your best foot forward because I am using that to go to my client. <laughs> wow. That, that's insightful. That, that really is. Um, this was a question I got from someone who follows along with me on Instagram. They were asking how many people just actually negotiate their salary? How common is it? Of, I'm assuming most that's initiated after written offer is received. Yeah, actually come back with another request. <laughs> so to answer that question, I have to back it up to like the very first contact that you have with your recruiter. So best practice is I, as the recruiter, share with you upfront the salary that we're able to offer. Like every company has a budget. Some will say they don't. Some will say they're open. Some will say they want to hear what you want. Typically, that's just kind of a ploy to pay you as little as possible for the job they're trying to get you to come and do our clients luckily tend to have a ton of integrity and they're like listen let's be upfront like we don't want to stress the candidates out and make them feel like they need to guess the right number like let's just tell them this is our budget for the role this is what we literally truly can pay if you fall in the range amazing if not bummer but let's just like kind of take that burden off the candidate's shoulders and just be upfront about that from the get-go so in my initial message to you i'm typically like hey listen for this software engineer position, I can offer X amount of money. How does that fit with your range? And then at that point is when the negotiation ideally happens. And that very first messaging or that very first phone conversation, you say, actually, I need to be here or no, that works for me. And great. We move forward. When we get to offer stage, I offer the amount we already talked about. And because we've had that conversation at the beginning, I almost never see candidates come back and say, actually, my answer from the first conversation has changed because I have such a thorough conversation at the very beginning where I'm totally honest, which I think typically invites my candidate to be totally honest. So yeah. that would, I, I would say that's best practice. It does happen still. Like just a couple of weeks ago, I had a candidate 
I offered her what she asked for. And then she came back and said, oh, now that I've looked at the benefits, it's actually not super competitive. Can we bump it up? And in that case, like we can counter offer sometimes, or sometimes my client would rather just be like, you know what? I'd rather let that candidate go and move on. So mm-hmm. it really can go either way. But all that being said, that's the process that I recommend you follow as the candidate and that I, as the recruiter should be leading you through. Yeah, definitely being prepared up front. And I love that. That So if the range isn't what the candidate is looking for, how would you suggest that they handle that conversation um, with a lot of poise, not having yet the benefit of developing a lot of rapport and showing you how great they are because it's the HR screening or it's like the initial phone call. And so they don't even have a lot of leverage yet to be able to say, actually, I was looking for 20 K more kind of like buzz (laughs) off at that point. Right. Right. So it honestly depends. So like as the candidate, if you just like literally need a job, like you got laid off, you're for whatever reason, you're not coming into this interview with the upper hand potentially right now it's a candidate market. So I hope that, you know, you are being able to come in from a perspective of power, but if for whatever reason you're not, and you do need to be able to be flexible on your compensation, I would say, okay, like I was ideally targeting more like to your point, you know, 20 K higher, I'm still interested in the job and would still love to have these conversations and see if it is a good fit otherwise. Um, just to kind of see, you know, if, if it is a, a mutual good fit for the two of us. However, if you can be picky and if comp is a deal breaker for you, like I've been, I mean, I'm a recruiter, so I'm obviously constantly getting prospected by companies and I'm honest with them. I'm like, listen, this is what I'm making. This is what I want. And they're like, oh, great. Yeah. Like, so for me, since I am in a position of like, I love my company. I love my job. I make a certain amount of money and I can just be honest about that. If that's your perspective and if that closes the door, if you can't get higher than that, just close it. So depends on where you are, but those are the two postures that I would take. Yeah. I, I really appreciate that a lot. You know, I, okay. This is so crazy because I watch a lot of, um, or, you know, I guess in my market research, I've read a lot of articles, listened to a lot of interviews and, um, watched a lot of YouTube videos and uh, advice coming from career coaches. It's like almost adversarial to uh, the recruiter. And it's like, they're lying to you about the budget. The company really can do more. Make sure that you don't actually ask, answer that question of how much money you want to make in the initial interview. You have to wait until the uh, you get an offer in writing. And essentially that could be a massive and disrespectful waste of the company's time. If you've gone through the entire thing, gotten them really hooked in and then been like, no, in order for me to sign this, you need to do the 20 K more, you know? And so I just think it's so interesting that the advice out there, your coach friends that we're not lying. (laughs) Like we really, really do. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm especially excited for this interview because I feel like candidates have this mindset of like recruiters are, well, it's dehumanizing the recruiter just as much as some candidates assume that recruiters are dehumanizing them. But recruiters have a really hard job. Like y'all talk to so many people and are working hard to find the right candidate for like, you want people to be happy in those positions. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And what, yeah. So what's, 
Yeah. What I think might be a misconception is that we like, we have as much skin in the game as you do. Like we want you to get the job. We want the client to love you. Like if I'm putting you in front of my client, it's because I want you to get the job. So I'm going to advocate for you throughout the process. I just need you to like do the same thing for yourself. Like I need you to interview as well as you can and be upfront with me in that initial conversation. Like I said, so we can be partners and really move you through process as smoothly as, as possible. Amen. All right. I would love to get some of your other do's and don'ts on things like resume and uh, emailing. Like a lot of people, you know, I hear the best strategy some people have to deploy after applying for a job. They're like, okay, so the one thing I know to do uh, to stand out from the crowd after dropping my resume in and answering whatever questions are in the application portal is I'll figure out who the recruiter is and pretty much email them. Like, actually, I'd love to hear what messages you get. Like, Hey, I applied for the job. Really? Ho- I just want to affirm my interest in the position. Cause obviously you want the job <laughs> and like, please interview me. Um, how, how do you feel about, or, you know, also how often do you get messages like that? And what, um, what kind of post application messages are actually ones that you would, an approach you would recommend? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would absolutely recommend that you send personalized message uh, messages. Mm -hmm. So if you apply for a job, I would not only message the recruiter, I would message someone that you can find who would be leading the team that you're applying to, someone that would be your peer on the team that you're applying to. Like, like honestly, go on LinkedIn, look up the job and message as many people as there's like a potential link to. Like, honestly, I would message yes. like five to seven people per job that you're applying to, genuinely. Yes. So I would say, yeah, cast a wide net, show your interest, show your excitement. To your point though, the type of, message that's effective is not like, hi, I applied for the job. Can I please have it? But what's effective is, Hey, Julia, so cool that you've been working with your client for six years. Love the partnership you guys have built. I'm super interested in learning more about your senior developer position. Um, would love a chance to connect. I sent over my application. Let me know when works for you this week. Something like that. Like, I can see that you read my profile. I can see that you know who the client is. I can see that you are like a go-getter enough to just ask me for time on my calendar. Like all of that, you're going to get a ton of people that ignore you or a ton of people that say no, but all it takes is one yes. So that's why I'm saying send a message, be bold, go after what you want. Do not let them, or sorry, don't say their no for them. Like if they're going to say no to you, fine. But you at least put the ask out, put the message out, but write it effectively so that you can hopefully get a response. (laughs) ask and you shall receive and all that business yes exactly I'm all for like boldness directness ask for what you want the worst thing they can say is no and then you don't have it anyway so it's fine yeah yeah that reminds me of um one of my friends a while back was saying you know actually Harvard has a pretty decent uh acceptance rate at the time it was like eight percent he's like yeah I mean it's not 50 but you know that's that's not the worst. It's like a little less than one in 10. So the biggest factor is that most people self-select out of the application process. Uh-huh. And so yeah. you're, to your point, don't self-select out of the application process. Like yeah. put your hat in there. Um, okay. Resume, such a big topic for some, I don't know, in people's minds, like how, 
perfect does it have to be? Actually, I would rather take a lens of what you don't like to see in terms of resumes. Yeah. Well, I think that the like um, common kind of uh, ethos around resumes is correct. Like I love that from what I've seen, a lot of career coaches encourage people to include stats, um, include as many numbers as you possibly can, include like action words, include um, as specific of detail as you can, as it relates to the job description, obviously. So all of those are amazing. The things that I don't need to see are things unrelated to the job I'm recruiting for. Like I, I really do recommend highly. I know it takes time, but if you want a job, you need to tailor your resume to match the job. Like you just do. Mm -hmm. So go through the job description, literally the bullet points listed there and align them with the bullet points on your resume. Like truly it should be a one-to-one. So wow, that's awesome. That's my, yeah. And then anything that's not that is what I don't like. So <laughs> do that and that you'll be good. Wow. That, so um, in terms of what you don't need to see, like anything that is not that, like you said, yeah. um, would you actually find it appropriate for them to uh, fit it into such a succinct format that even some of their positions have been cut out? Um, I would still go chronological. So mm -hmm. don't cut out a position. Like let's say your current position and two positions ago relate best to this job. Mm -hmm. You still need to include the other positions just to mm -hmm. kind of acknowledge like, so it doesn't look like you're trying to be shady or say, yes. oh, I can actually work there. Like, no, you, you still need to have that stuff included. Um, what I mean when I say make sure it aligns with the job description is tool out the pieces of those jobs. Maybe your primary role wasn't aligned with the job description, but I'm sure there are one or two things that you did that did align. So that's mm -hmm. what I'm saying. In yeah. all the roles you've had recently, highlight those things that best relate to the job description for the role that you're applying for. Yeah, definitely. Um, interviews, gosh, <laughs> would love to hear again, what, what you find really effective and that you love to see or, um, your unique, oh my gosh, I'm like flinging my body language is like hitting my mic and flinging my, uh, headphones all around. Uh, again, I'm just so excited to be talking to you, but, um, what are some do's and don'ts that you like to recommend in the interview process? Yeah. So, literally the same as the resume, I think should be the same kind of prep that goes into your interview where you really closely study the job description. You come prepared with one or two examples for how you've done each bullet point and the roles that you've held previously and do your research on the company and on the interviewers. So a big piece of feedback that I get from hiring managers is they're like, that candidate was not excited about this company they didn't know what we do. They didn't know who I was. Like they want to see that you're so jazzed about this opportunity that you have like LinkedIn stalked them. You have read the blog post that their company founder wrote last month about how they're breaking into this market to do this thing. Like they want that kind of detail. Obviously it's up to you to, to kind of slide that into the interview so they can see that you've done that prep work, mm -hmm. which obviously comes back to the communication piece that we talked about earlier, like you needing to be able to engage um, but yeah, that kind of prep work is absolutely what I would recommend for the interview process. I love how none of this is rocket science whatsoever, but it's just hard work that not everybody does. Just literally, if you put in the time and do this, you will be, you will be the 8%. Like you will be the Harvard, the accepted student at Harvard if you can do this. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for all your advice on that. Uh, to 
continue. I would love to get your perspective on common concerns of like, what will the recruiter think if they see short job stints, one or more of those on my resume, that meaning different things to different people, but maybe six months to a year or less than 12 months within a a job. And what do y'all as recruiters, if you could speak for yourself or your team actually think about that? Yeah. So that's a really good question because it's literally different for every single company. So I've had some clients where they die on that hill. They're like, I will not look at anyone who's been job poppy. I will not look at anyone who has less than three years tenure at each company. I personally don't agree with that because I'm a recruiter because I'm a people person. And there's always a story. If you left a job after six months, it's because something was egregiously wrong. And I want to know why. Like, did you have a toxic boss? Did you have a death in the family that you just, your personal life interrupted your career? Like there's so many reasons that are very legitimate and don't make you, I think companies concerned is that you're going to be flaky, but there's all like, no person wants to do a bad job at work. No person wants to be in a bad fit for them. So if, if you left that quickly within six months to a year, there's a reason. So I personally love that most of the clients I work with understand that. And they would not write someone off because they had a couple short stints. Um, They wouldn't write someone off because there's been a gap for whatever reason. They would want to hear about that. Um, One thing I've seen some candidates do that I love is they'll include just one little line at the end of each role about why they left. So Mm -hmm. left because they did company-wide layoffs and my whole team was affected. Left because I got this opportunity to do this thing that I really wanted to do left because um, management was going in a direction that I didn't agree with. So I transitioned like literally one line makes my job easier so that when we jump on our call, I already have that context. I can dig in more if I want to, but I'm not sitting there trying to like figure out why six months here, why a year and a half here, why four years here, like you have already told me. Yeah. And especially if you were following all of the advice that you gave before about making your bullet points, like a one-to-one super relevant. And then in the interview process, displaying your excitement and the research that you've done, all those other little details just fade into the background. That would be such a small part of the conversation Yeah, (laughs) or not a part of the conversation at all, because in the initial, um, uh, talks with you and your team as the recruiters, you've already maybe communicated. I don't know exactly, but like, yeah, it's not a big deal or that, um, was just because, you know, X, Y, Z thing that's not worth a bunch of airtime. Yeah. Well, we would know what we, we would know what our client stance is. So we wouldn't even interview, like say, say it was a client who's like, I can only consider candidates who have minimum three years at each company. I'm not going to waste your time. If I do see you have shorter stints, I'm just not going to interview you for that job. Cause I know that yeah. client will say no. Luckily I work with a lot of different clients. So there is typically someone who is more open to that and would be able to talk to you if it is a good fit in other ways. Yeah. And what about gaps? Uh, we talked about short uh, job stints, but gaps in employment. Um, do you see that as a disqualifier a lot of the time? Or what has it been like in seeing potentially more people with gaps um, post pandemic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been really interesting to navigate. Um, it really depends on how long the gap is and what the reason for it is. So a gap in itself is never a disqualifier ever. Um, a gap that's 
several years would at least merit a conversation, especially if you haven't worked again since that gap. Like say you left the workforce four years ago for whatever reason, if that's such a hard sell for me as a recruiter to go to my hiring manager and say, hey, I know we're comparing this person who hasn't worked in four years to this person who has, and they have the same experience and they have the same skill set as the client. I mean, from their perspective, it's like a safer bet to go with the person without the gap. So if you do have a gap for whatever unavoidable reason, highly recommend A, you have like a very succinct kind of baked out reason why that you explain tactfully and respectfully. B, that you're doing whatever you can to kind of continue to hone your skills in that area. So for example, like you're taking a class or you're, um, uh, oh, like LinkedIn has so many certifications. You're doing a certification. Like there's so many ways that you can basically like kind of fill that in with these are ways that I'm pursuing education in this sphere, even without having employment in this area right now. Yeah. Um, so you gave the example of multiple years and not just like, oh my gosh, it was like a month and a half oh, between God. jobs. That like, doesn't even matter. Oh no, when I like the that, amount of people though that I hear that are insecure about that. Oh my gosh, they startling. should not be. Oh God, if I gaps, you mean a month, two months, three months, don't even stop. That's not even a thing. Oh God, no, yeah. I mean, unless it was like for some insane reason, we're like. I don't even know, but, but yeah, I mean, typically a month, two months, three months, especially with COVID, like I'm surprised when I don't see someone who had like a March, 2020 to September, 2020 gap, <laughs> like that's pretty normal. So I wouldn't know. Oh my gosh. Your clients need to know that is not something to even like come prepared to tell me what happens for sure. But there's almost no recruiter or hiring manager who would look at that and, and have legitimate concerns about that. They're, they don't need to worry about that. I think that you really just set a lot of people free from some anxiety they did not need to have. I think even more granularly, the concern I hear a lot is, well, I, I'm really feeling like my job, uh, I'm in a busy season. It's just not actually uh, possible, given the other things that I have going on in life, to carry out a thoughtful job hunt while I'm seeing red and my team is in mayday mode and this is so toxic and I just need to leave. But I'm so scared to not have something else lined up. It's not because of their financial situation in many cases with the people I'm speaking with. It's just the perception that how would I explain to a future employer that I'm unemployed. Like they're not willing to take on that identity. It feels like for any amount of time and they perceive that, um, quitting without another job lined up is, would just be inexcusable to an employer, but I'm assuming that's really not the case. No, no, no. no. I've talked to a ton of candidates who, who, who did exactly what you just said. They were like, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I know this job is not the right fit for me. I know there's something better out there, but I cannot give it my time and attention while I'm in this toxic environment. So no, that would never be a red flag. Um, I would say where it does become a red flag is if they, for whatever reason, like that search goes on for like a year plus, that -hmm. would give me pause as far as like, huh, like if you've been adamantly searching for a job for over a year, I'm curious about kind of what, like, where's the mismatch here? Like, yeah why have you not felt comfortable taking on a new role and why has a company not felt comfortable taking you on? That would be a question. 
but I mean, obviously, you know, from your work, it's typically more like three to six months max Max, that you're really running, especially if you're doing it full time, probably less. And and your space is so much better. I mean, you know, like work-life integration, like your mental health so impacts your job search. So if you're in a better headspace, yeah. So if you're in a better headspace from quitting your job, it absolutely behooves you to do that. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I love that. Okay. Yay. I just can picture like, you know, gallery view in Zoom where it's like everybody's faces at once. I just pictured all these people that I've spoken with that are taking a collective sigh like, okay, wow. I could quit my 90 hour a week job so I could have some mental If you're working 90 hours a week, you'll quit yesterday. Like, (laughs) oh, be gone. You do not need to do that. Hear me say throw your badge in the fit. No, actually, don't throw your badge at anybody. (laughs) Like, don't burn any bridges, but like you can bless and release. Yes, I love that. Bless and release. Bless and release. Um, okay. The other question I have in this arena is um another way I hear this phrased a lot as a question is how can I stand a chance as an applicant for a job in which I don't meet all the requirements? Dun dun dun. I know that we were talking about this before because you are contracted oftentimes to like that company, they are getting a premium service. You better believe they're gonna get somebody with all of the requirements met. But yeah, I'm still curious to hear how you respond to this, like from a candidate's perspective, how can I stand a chance? Yeah. So like I said before, I'm a firm believer in don't say there are no for them. So Mm -hmm. even if you only hit 50% of the qualifications or 75%, you know, if you don't check every single box, still apply. And Mm -hmm. if I, as the recruiter know that my hiring manager is not going to go for it, like you could be literal, you could have the best personality of any human that's ever walked the face of the earth but you don't check these boxes so they won't move forward. If I know that, I'm not going to waste your time. So I'm not going to interview you. I'm not going to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, there might be a job where the hiring manager is a little bit more flexible and says, you know, for me, it really is more the type of person. Like we've had a couple like that where they're like, I just need to see like one or two years of experience. And then I can kind of work with their, their character. Like it's more important to me who they are, what they're looking to do, what their, you know, motivations and passions are than the the bullet points on their resume. So you don't, you never know what type of company it is unless you're in it. So I would just apply, like hope for the best. And, and again, cast a, cast a wide net. I would say that's, that's my advice to any job seeker. Yeah, absolutely. Let's underscore that advice that you just gave of like, you will never as a candidate looking on Indeed, Monster, LinkedIn, whatever, Glassdoor, you will never see anything that indicates, hey, the hiring manager behind this position is like the chill kind that's really looking for like a personality fit and they're totally going to love you. And wow, it's just going to be amazing. They're going to be your kid's godmother, you know, just go for it. You're never going to know. So you might as well. apply and hope that you come across that person (laughs) yeah seriously because you know there are plenty of openings um out there that you'll be able to bridge the gap um last bucket of questions I can I just say I cannot believe how efficient you are okay let me (laughs) redact that I can absolutely believe how efficient you are at answering these questions because of how um just given the nature of your work but you get it I can't believe this okay we're hitting a home run actually uh third bucket of questions is all around oh my gosh I never sound this like 
robotically outlined whatever here we are happy Monday it's that Monday energy I think um, I would love to educate listeners on the benefit of working with a staffing agency or a recruiter um, because most people I know are not utilizing that grand opportunity to really get in with a specialized agency that's recruiting for the roles that they want to have and to have the chance for someone to be advocating for them. Like one, one client I worked with, he's so smart. He doubled up. He was working with me and a recruiting agency and I was prepared to help him with the salary negotiation. Bit. And he was like, no, actually Michelle got my back. Like she negotiated it up 30 K for me. And I was like, what the heck? Amazing. That's yeah. crazy. So anyway, um, how can working with a good recruiter benefit a candidate's job search? Yeah. So like you said, it's basically just like more advocates. So like, yes, work with a career coach, but also work with as many recruiters as you want. Like if you know that you want to work in a specific industry, like there's so many niche agencies that work in marketing or like in my case, work in software or really whatever you're looking to pivot into, there's an agency for that or probably multiple agencies for that. So again, I would just do a Google search, find the agencies that kind of fit the niche that you're trying to move into or are trying to grow in and just message those recruiters on LinkedIn. Like same as we talked about for when you're applying for a job, go ahead and reach out to the recruiters. Again, personalize it. Make sure they know that you looked at their profile, know whether who they work for, why you're reaching out to them specifically and just ask, ask for a call, um, ask if you can be considered for the roles they have open right now. And one benefit is that the recruiter is typically paid by the client. So mm -hmm. their service to you is free to you. Like they are working on behalf of their client. Their money comes from the client. Typically they get a bonus for placing you. So they are very motivated to help if it's going to help their client to help you get a job there. So it's a win-win for you for literally no money. So I feel like you should definitely be working with recruiters. <laughs> That's what I've been trying to say. <laughs> Yes. Yes. And I hate how some people I talk to, they're just like, you know, recruiters message me on LinkedIn all the time. I'm like, should you be so lucky? They're literally okay, trying to help you. annoyed by that. You're welcome. Please respond to me. That's me messaging you. And I'd like to give you a job. So <laughs> uh, sorry for bothering you, Brad. Come on. <laughs> sorry. That was a little, came on a little strong there, but um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I understand that certain um, <laughs> jobs or people in certain positions or sectors, they get really heavy hit with a lot of offers, but still. And I get it. Like, let me say, as a recruiter, I even get messages from recruiters that I'm like, you did not read my profile. So I get that it's frustrating if you feel like your recruiter is just like mass messaging you and not sending you a message that's actually tailored to your experience. Like, I literally got a message on Friday asking if I wanted to work as a full stack software engineer. I'm like, no, <laughs> that would go very badly for your company. I would take it. I don't know anything about software engineering. <laughs> so like, yes, I totally get that. If a recruiter just like blasting out messages, that's frustrating. But like, I promise when I reach out to you, I've read your profile. I literally, what I do is I include the name of the company you're currently at. So you can see I read your profile. I know where you're coming from. I'm specifically reaching out to you because I think this could be a good next step for you. Um, so those are the recruiters that I would definitely take a second glance at. The ones who include some kind of personalized note and the ones who are upfront about, like I said, like compensation, culture of the company, um, specifics around the role. Those are the messages that I would pay special attention to as a candidate. 
Yeah. Is there anything the listeners should know about the difference between in-house versus staffing agency recruiters? Because I find that not too many are educated on the difference and how that changes the um, motivation or like what that stakeholder is looking for and how they handle the uh, candidate. Yeah, that's a good question. So the benefit of working with an agency recruiter is they do have several different clients. So there's a lot of different hiring managers that you could realistically be put in front of as a candidate. Um, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes they do get a bonus for placing candidates. So they're financially motivated to help put the right person in their role. Um, one downside though, and this is where corporate recruiters do have typically a better pulse on the client is that they're for like fully, like they are in a, corporate recruiters are an employee of the company that you're trying to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, there are staffing agencies like mine, for example, where we're fully embedded. Like I have a branded email. I have like the Slack channel of the clients that I work with. I like earlier today, I was on a call with the president of one of my clients. Like I'm talking to the decision makers as if I were an internal corporate recruiter. Um, but there can just kind of be that, that extra, like you're living and breathing the company culture 24 seven, if you're a corporate recruiter, and that could be attractive to some candidates to kind of have that person in their pocket. But like I said Mm -hmm. before, like spread a broad net, like reach out to agency recruiters and corporate recruiters, like talk to all the people, like everyone wants to help you get a job. So let them do it. (laughs) Let everyone help you. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I love this just is more of feeding into my generally optimistic view of life of like, there's so much that is conspiring for your good. If only you would just be open with what you're looking for and tell people how they can help you, whether that's, you know, that, uh, you know, business owner at church, maybe they have a big network, connect with them. They could put you in touch with people, reach out to agency recruiters, reach out to in-house, reach out to people at that company that you're interested in working for, get their advice. They, they will probably get a decent kickback if you end up getting hired because of internal referral bonuses. That's another thing that a lot of people don't realize. Like you could pay for someone's trip to Hawaii by just reaching out and being like, hey, can you, um, you know, if you built rapport then make a request or make it known that you're looking to work there and they might be able to help. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. Amen. What are some misconceptions that you think typically, if you have any insight into this, that you think typically holds candidates back from working with recruiters, uh, I guess, especially in the agency sense where they um, can help you explore roles, multiple roles with multiple different clients that they might have. What do you think holds candidates back from that? Um, probably a concern that the recruiter doesn't know a lot about the company, like since they are not a fully embedded internal employee there, maybe they're like, well, you can't really help me because you don't really know it as well as a corporate recruiter would. Um, which like I said, I mean, that's not the case with my company, for example, but I, I think that could be a misconception and, and that could be a concern. Um, obviously candidates ha- or candidates recruiters have, um, kind of a negative reputation as far as people are like, oh, you're, you know, like we just talked about, you're just like, mass messaging you're not being thoughtful or careful in your day-to-day job like you ghost candidates you aren't really there for the candidate so I think there's probably a feeling of why would I reach out to you you're not really in it for me like you're not going to help me get a job and and I do want to be clear like 
yes, we are beholden to our clients. Like our number one priority is we need to find the right person for the role that the clients are filling. That being said, there's never a need to ghost your candidate. Like if you're not a fit for the job, I'm just going to tell you. If you're not a fit for the job, and I can tell that just from looking at your LinkedIn, I'm not going to waste your time by reaching out to you. So sure, you can kind of write all recruiters off because you had a bad one or two. But in general, any misconceptions you might have about recruiters as a whole, I would say, again, just go ahead and reach out and get the help that we're wanting to offer you. Mm -hmm. What should candidates be prepared with before reaching out to a recruiter? Anything in addition to or beyond what I'm assuming, like knowing what you're looking for and having your resume and LinkedIn spruced up, what would you add? I would say that's it. And then I would just reiterate the personalized message. So when you write a message to a recruiter, um, make sure they know that you looked at their LinkedIn profile, you know who they work for, you know why you're reaching out to them and you're explaining that to them. Like they need to see what's in it for me. Like you get bombarded as a recruiter with applicants, with hiring manager questions, with team questions. And you don't have time, honestly, to, to walk every candidate through every conversation and every process. So you need to show me like, hey, I would love to chat about this role that you're recruiting for, or this client that you recruit for, or this area that you recruit in, because I have these years of experience, these skill sets, these things that I think would really benefit your client. Would you be open to a conversation? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Benefit to you is the, I think the stance that we have to retrain our mind to have in most any context in life all the time. Cause yeah. I was just doing interview prep with another client this morning and we had to go through the relearning of, I think that this is really instilled in high school and college, especially of what do you want? What are you eager to learn? That language starts getting embedded in advice by the career center at college or in your talk of what internships you want to pick. But these companies are not, why would they be, come on, like interested in paying you to learn all these things you're excited about? You're being paid to contribute, to serve, to bolster whatever that line of service is for the company. And so learning to always communicate everything as benefit to you, I'm excited to contribute, here's how I could serve, here's how my uh, experience is the solution to the hiring needs for this position, all of that, you have to learn how to uh, have your mind seek out that perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I'm uh, sure that you might get inundated with the opposite of that. Um, what do you, in closing, what do you wish people knew about recruiting and what do you wish that candidate saw from your perspective? Hmm. Um, what do I wish people knew about recruiting? I would say we are doing our best. <laughs> like, it's so funny. Um, I'm so great. Like I, I do this cause I love it. Like I, like I said, I became a recruiter because I am a people person. I truly love helping people and pretty much every recruiter I've met feels the same way. Like if we just wanted to like get a bunch of candidates and jobs and make money, we'd be in sales. 
like we wouldn't be doing this if that was our only goal like this this isn't what we'd be doing so i i say that to say like with any human relationship give the benefit of the doubt like if you have had a negative interaction in the past or if you are feeling like oh what's the point of even trying to work with a recruiter like they're not going to help me um i would say get that negative self-talk out of your head and just shoot your shot and reach out and do the legwork and I truly i i promise you 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 will be pleasantly surprised by the fact that recruiters um yes again our first priority has to be filling our clients needs and and the roles that they're looking for us to fill but we care about you as a human being like we genuinely want you to find the right fit for you we want you to be with the right company for you and we do this work because that matters to us uh, i love that and i i just am inspired because i feel like your advice works in so many areas of life shoot your shot do the leg work per what exactly you said yeah see what yeah. happened be optimistic realize that people are a lot of us genuinely just want to help others through the work of our hands and the work of our minds and hope it all works out well for you and yeah. so i have so appreciated this conversation i know the listeners must be feeling the same um what how can they connect with you or what kind of connect uh candidates should be uh, looking into your uh, company in particular uh, for the roles that y'all place? Yeah. So I'd love to connect just personally. So you can look me up on LinkedIn, Julia Arpag. Um, and then my company is called Secure Vision. And we work, like I said, specifically with software companies. So if you're ever looking to break into software or further your career in software, we have a ton of different amazing companies that we work with. And we'd love to connect with you to see if any of them have the right fit for your next step. Woot woot. Okay. Yay. Awesome. Thank you, Kelsey. If you enjoyed this conversation, take one moment and leave a quick rating and review before you go. And also connect with Julia on LinkedIn with a word of thanks. If you would like to work with me to discern what you feel called to do and practically land a great job that's aligned with it, you can apply for one of my one-on-one -on -one coaching spots for high-performing Christian professionals who are interested in making a meaningful career move in the next three to six months, whether that's landing at a job at a company you admire or pivoting into a new career path altogether. You could head to my website and apply for a free career strategy session with me at kelseykemp.com slash services. The program is selective and spots are limited. That's kelseykemp.com slash services. All those links are in the show notes below. And while you're there, you can download any of my free career tools on my website that I've designed for you over at kelseykemp.com slash free. It's a pretty cute page if you ask me. And you could also follow along with me for my latest tips and updates over on LinkedIn. If this episode impacted you, don't forget to leave a quick review. I'll see you next week on Answer the Call.